Well, good morning, church. Morning. Man, y'all awake this morning. All right. It's going to be a good morning. Um, I just, before we get started, I just want to just touch base that, uh, that video that you guys saw on the Seventh Mile Farm. Um, I know it's in Bullock County. And a lot of times we see things that's in another county, we think this don't, this don't have anything to do with us. But uh, the, the guy that started that, um, that whole vision, his name's Chris Yon, and he's a very, very good friend of mine. And uh, I've had the opportunity to ride with Chris, and uh, he, he's a lot like I am. Um, he'll cry at a drop of a hat. So when we get together, we go through a box of Kleenexes. <laughs> but to see all that God's doing in Bullock County through foster kids, um, and, there, and it's, it's, it's made that, that camp is going to benefit not just Bullock County, but all the surrounding counties. So if you have a heart for kids, and, and, and really a heart for kids that are, that are broken, they come from a broken family. They come from a family where they don't feel like they love. They don't feel like their mamas and daddies care about them. That, uh, they feel like a lot of these kids, I've talked to them, a lot of these kids feel like that every adult that they've trusted has abandoned them. And this camp is a way to, to try to foster relationships with kids and try to give those kids a, a head start, try to redirect their lives, and also to help not only give them life skills, but also teach them about Jesus. So is that something you guys want to get involved in? It's only in Statesboro. It's not that far, and uh, you can volunteer your time. It would be something great to be a part of. Um, but anyway, so this week in our Promise series, it's a good promise. I've been stressing over it all week long to preach this thing. The promise is that God is working. We're going to be in Romans 8.28 this morning, if you guys want to get there. But it's a promise that we know. We, kind of, we know God's working. We know that, and we read this, we read this scripture for, for face value, and, and we're kind of like, okay, I get that. When you've made it there, say Amen. All right, y'all getting fast this morning. So Romans 8, 28, that, that one scripture says, And we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's a promise that God's given us, that everything in our lives works out for the good for those who love him. And when we're walking, when we're walking through bad stuff, a lot of times we don't go back to that promise. We don't go back and say, how, how God's working this out? A lot of times we start complaining. Woe is me. Uh, what's going on in my life? We start looking at our life and, and what's going on, and we feel like that the walls are crumbling around us. We feel like nothing's going right. Everything's going wrong. How in the world is my life working out for good? Can anybody, anybody sympathize with me in here? Anybody? Those of you that didn't say amen, you just lied. Everybody in here struggling with something. Everybody, at one time or another in your walk with Jesus, you thought that he has abandoned you. We walk through things. A lot of times we walk through, and some of you have walked through some very dark things, things darker than I have ever even imagined going through. But when we walk through those things, we've got, we got to hold fast to the promises of God. Hold fast to those promises. So before we go any further, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we just come to you right now, uh, Lord, just thanking you for who you are, thanking you, God, for uh, just uh, for your word, Lord, and giving us just promises that we can, we can stand on. 
Lord, when we see life and we see the difficulties of life, Lord, when it hits us at 100 miles an hour, God, we can go back to your word and know that you say you're faithful, that we can trust you. God, we just pray that you would just open up our minds so that we can understand this. Open up our hearts, God, so we can receive this. Holy Spirit, deal with us, Lord, so that we leave this place different than the way we came. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I think a lot of reason when we're going through, when we're going through bad things, we, we can't see the good that's coming out of it. When, when, when we've lost our job, we can't see the good that's going to come out of us losing this job. When, when our house burns down because of a fire, we can't see good coming out of that. When, when a death has happened in our family, we can't, we, a lot of times we don't see the good in it. Right then, it's very hard to. But the only way you see good is a lot of times we've got to change our perspective. So we've got to realize that, look, all of us in this room, you know, we see life like this. We see life like a tunnel. It, we, all we're looking at is everything that directly affects us. We're, look, we're centered around me. I'm centered around what makes me feel good, what hurts me, what, what bothers me. I'm living in a tunnel. And God is, he's got a 10,000-foot view, and he's looking down over what's going on in, over in your life and in this person's life and in that person's life. And he's working all that out for the good. So we've got to understand, we've got to get our perspective right before we can even understand this promise that God's given us. In verse 18, I'm just going to read it to you. I'll back up to 17. It says, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will, that will be revealed in us. So, I mean, when you think about that, when you think of, of, of your life, not, not, of, not of where you are right now, not what's going on right now, but looking at eternity as it stands. How is what's going on right now going to affect eternity? That's what God's looking at. God's not looking at your current situation. He's looking at molding you for eternity. Molding you for heaven. Y'all tracking with me this morning? Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? All right. That, that's what he's trying to do. And, and, and a lot of times we don't see that. We don't see, all right, God's molding me for eternity. We see, God, I'm hurting right now. God, I'm broken right now. So in order to grab hold of this promise, we have to understand that God is working in my life. God is, right now, no matter what situation you're going through, no matter what trial that you are in right now in your life, God is working that out for the good of eternity. Because life is not about here on earth. Life is about spending forever with Jesus. Amen? Amen. And that's what it's about. So no matter what kind of... And if we're supposed to share in the sufferings of Christ, if we're supposed to be made into the likeness of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ suffered, why should we think that we're better than Jesus? He's going to, he suffered way more than a lot of us will ever suffer. And if we're going to be made, we got, made in the likeness of him, we need to realize that we're going to suffer. There's going to be problems. There's going to be situations that we're going to struggle through. We have to always remember that God's got our best interest in eternity in mind. And when I thought about those things, I ultimately go to Job. 
I go to the life of Job. I'm not going to read I'm going to paraphrase Job's life for you. I was, uh, when I was laid up in the hospital bed with my leg messed up for those five months, I had a friend of mine uh, came up to me. He's like, man, I mean, he actually called me Job. He came and set up my, wi- my wireless internet, and, and my domain name was Job. And I was like, man, let me, let me read Job. I hadn't read it in a while. I re- began to read through the book of Job, and I was like, hey, man, you need to change this. My, I am not near as bad as Job. I know I've had a lot of bad stuff happen, but, man, Job was tested. Job was tested. Some things with Job I want to tell you guys. Look, in the beginning of the book of Job, what happened was there was a conversation between God and Satan. And and Satan was talking about what he was doing, and and God said, well, hey, have have you considered my servant Job? Job was righteous. Job was, he was, I mean, he was, he was following God. He was blessed by God. He, had more, he was more wealthy than any other person. Both, he, had so many, he had a lot of family. He was blessed with family. He was blessed with financial gains. And he was a righteous man. He was following God. God didn't cause the things to happen. He allowed those things to happen in Job's life. When Job began to lose everything, I mean, Job lost a lot of things, guys. In the beginning of that, though, what what, what got me is how Satan was accurately assessing most people. He he was telling God, I know you say he's righteous, but when I take his stuff away from him, he's going to turn from you. When I take the blessings away from him, he's going to deny you. uh, And the only reason he's serving you is because you're protecting him, and that's the only reason. But when you take all that off, He's going to deny you. He's going to turn from you. So God moved, let his hands up and let Satan do a lot of things to Job. Job lost his family. He lost his kids, his grandkids, all in just a second, just a little bit. He lost his financial gain. He lost, his, he lost all his livestock. He lost all of his possessions, everything. Right there. He was bankrupt, bankrupt, just like this. Not a slow fade, not gradual, all of a sudden. He was on top of the world, and then a week later, he didn't have anything. His wife, his co-partner, his, his, his wife said, hey, best thing for you to do is curse God and die. So his wife was bitter. She was mad about the situation, what, what had happened. His best friends came to him and turned against him. They just, they just sat there for a couple of days and just looked at him and didn't say nothing. I would have slapped somebody. You know, you don't do me like that. Stare at me. But anyway, Job, Job just sat there and, and took that. And on top of that, then his body got afflicted. He began to have sores on his, on his arms. And he, I mean, it was painful because it, the, the scripture says that he took it and scraped them off with pottery. He was in misery. So he had all that going on. And he began, to, he, and really he was like, God, what's going on? What, what's happening? What, what, why is this going on in my life? And at the end of the book of Job, through all that he went through, he never turned his back on God. He did question what was going on, but he never turned his back on God. And at the end of the book of Job, he was closer to God and he understood God more clearly through all that suffering than he did before. So God used all those things to bring Job closer to himself. Now, in the middle of that, I guarantee you Job was wondering if this is worth it. 
What was, I guarantee he was wondering, I think I need to quit. This isn't worth it. This is too hard. But he persevered, and through that, he's seen God in a different light. And it's through suffering, it's through bad stuff that happens in our life, it's through a lot of times trauma and trials to when we really see who Jesus really is, and really see who God really is. Because so many of us live in this pretend world. I mean, can I be real with you? A lot of us live in this pretend world to where it's like, uh, uh, what's it called, Uh, Mary Poppins. We singing in the rain, got an umbrella up, and everything's going bad all around us, but nothing's happening to me. I'm not affected by any of this junk. A lot of us have that attitude, but when our umbrella gets a hole in it and the rain starts hitting us, we start panicking. We start turning, we start, first person we throw under the bus is God. How dare you, God? Like, we're better than him. And he's using those things to form us and make us. And I know this is tough stuff to got today, guys, but we need to rest in the fact that no matter what we're going through, that God's here with us and he's using this to make us closer to him. The next one I was thinking about was, was Paul. Paul wrote Romans. So to understand how Paul could write something like that, you got to understand Paul's life. Paul was, a, I mean, he was head and shoulders above everybody. He knew the word. He knew, he knew it. But yet he wasn't following Jesus. He was religious, but he wasn't a follower of Jesus. He was persecuting the church. He, he had a, such a huge realm of influence. But then, but then he met Jesus. And when he met Jesus, everything changed. All his friends that he thought he had turned on him. Anything that could go wrong, it did go wrong, it sounded like, to Paul. But Paul knew. Paul knew who God was. He, he rested in, he rest in the fact of who God was and what God was doing. I mean, as I read his letters, almost every town Paul went in, he got beaten up. I mean, that's not a job anybody wants. God, send me, God. I'll go, I'll go to Waynesboro, and they can beat me up tomorrow. I'm not doing that. You know, but, but Paul went, knowing that he was going to go, he was going to spread the gospel, he was going to share the gospel, and there was, a, there was a chance that he was going to be beaten up pretty bad. But he went. He got beaten up repetitively, but he praised God through it. That shows that God's got his heart. When you can get beat up and still praise God, man, you're you doing it. He was beaten up. He got, in, he got put in prison multiple times. He got snake-bitten. He got shipwrecked, and I can, go, I can keep going on, but you see what I'm saying. Paul went through all kinds of different trials, different things, but through it all, he still gave God the glory. He still pursued God 110%. He didn't slow down. He didn't back up. He didn't say, wait a minute. He kept pursuing God because he knew who God was. When I look at Paul's life and I think about how could he write such a thing of, and we know that all things... God works for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. How can he write that with all that he's been through? How can he write that and, and really believe that if, if he's been through all this stuff? Could you write that if you had went through all that stuff personally? Some of us couldn't write that now. But Paul, the only way Paul could do that is that, number one, he understood who God was, and that God loved him. He understood those things. He, he knew he was called by God. 
When you know you called by God to do something, you can't back down, you can't back up, you can't quit. When you know that you called, when you know that you know that you know, you can't stop. And the third thing is that he knew his purpose. He was clearly defined his purpose. And a lot of reasons why when we hit trout, when we hit trouble, when stuff hits us, when, when we feel like the world's against us, a lot of reasons why we crumble is because of one of those three things we haven't realized in our life. So as we dive down deeper into Romans 8.28, I just want to break this thing down a little bit. The only way that I knew that, that, I, that I could really get this point across of, of how everything works together for those who know God and love him who are called to this purpose, the only way that, that I knew that I could do that is, is to break it down. So when you go through the beginning of this, it says, look, and we know that all things. So he says, look, and we know. All right, so to know something, what? You got to be confident, amen? You got to be confident. To say that you know something, you got to be confident. Like, like, if I know that me and Dallas are going fishing tomorrow, I know I'm going to beat him. I know I'm going to catch more fish than Dallas catches tomorrow. I know that. I'm confident in that. You know why? Because it's proven itself true multiple times. <laughs> You've got to be confident in those things. So he says, look, I'm confident. I know that all things, that all things. When you, I think about all things, that encompasses everything, right? No matter what our situation is, no matter if it's our suffering, our pain, our persecution, our failure, or even our lack of faith, no matter what those things are, no matter what has come against us, all these things, God is working them out to ultimately produce the blessing in our life. Anything that hinders us in, in this temporary life will be used to benefit us by God. No matter what it is. Because our ultimate goal is not right here. It's not this satisfaction right here. It's not this. It's eternity. Amen? So no matter what you're going through right now, it's not. The pain you're going through right now has no, no measure to the excitement and the pleasure and the, just, just the pure out joy you're going to have when you get to see Jesus. And that should be your goal. If your eyes on Jesus, this little junk going on right now isn't a big deal. Cancer is not a big deal when you're looking at Jesus. Amen? Stuff that we, that we hold as high value is not really that important when we, in, in, in eternity. When eternity is forever and ever. Amen? Amen? I mean, it's forever. So why should we allow this little stuff that happens in our life, these 70 or 80 years, if we're, really, if we're really blessed, why should we allow those things to make us bitter at God because he didn't do what we thought he should do in a certain situation? When it's for us to go live for him for eternity. That's what Paul is looking at. So when I go and it says, look, to work together, the next part of that scripture, to work together or in all things. All things work together. I'm sorry. I've got two different translations here. So, so even the painful stuff, that God works things out. Even when, even when it's you're like, God, I don't know what's going on. You know, I told you last week that about, uh, about Sabrina's daddy passing away unexpectedly in 2009. That was a very dark time in our life. And it was horrible. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying it was, I'm not telling you that his death was good because it was horrible. When we were going through that, it was bad. 
that, that, that time, Sabrina was upset. She was mad. She was mad at God for taking her daddy from her. She was, she was mad at me because I was following God. I mean, that time was bad. That, that, that caused a lot of different events to happen in her life. His death caused Sabrina to be bitter. His death, because of that, our marriage began to crumble. There's a lot of other stuff that was really not unfair happened to us during that time. But God used all that stuff to bring Sabrina to the realization that she just had religion and she didn't have Jesus. And two years of the struggle, two years of the grind of this, of this, of this horrible thing, every time, that, every time something would come up, it went back to, well, I'm like this because this happened. Sabrina received Jesus Christ one night and everything changed. But if he hadn't have passed away the way he did, if that hadn't have happened, you see what I'm saying? You tracking with me? Sabrina wouldn't have known the saving grace of Jesus Christ as intense as she does right now. Through the struggle, it brought us both closer to Christ, and it brought the reality to her that she didn't have a relationship with Christ. Through that whole struggle, I was praying for God to change her, and he was changing me through the whole thing. A lot of times we get bitter and we get mad and we allow our, our, our circumstances to define us instead of allowing it to make us into what God wants us to be. And that's what he's got you in this season for. If you're struggling today, if you've got tr- stuff that's happened in your life, don't, don't sit there and say, woe is me. Try to figure out, try to pray and say, God, how are you using this for your good and your glory? Because I really don't see it right now. It's okay to be honest with God. I look back at that, too. Let's look at the story of Joseph. Everybody knows the story of Joseph, right? He, 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 was, he was the favorite. His brothers hated him, threw him in a pit. Then his brothers traded him, sold him, sold him into slavery, sold him to somebody. He gets to, to Egypt. He's in Potiphar's house. God, God uses him. All right. Just because in that bad situation, he didn't turn his back on God. He still pursued God. He was still pursuing God because in that bad situation, he was still pursuing God. God continued to use that to honor him and and, and to his good. He was in Potiphar's house doing good. And then what happened? Potiphar's wife came on to him. was like, hey, he tried to seduce him. He ran from that. She lied to him, lied about him and and said, hey, he, he came on to me. He tried to rape me. They put him in jail. So now a bad situation gets worse. He's in jail. He, he tells the dreams of these two guys, hey, remember me when you get out. They get out, what did they do? They didn't remember who he was. He could have been bitter, he could have been mad, but he just kept being faithful to God because God's timing is not our timing, amen? And as he went through that process, God was using all that stuff to break down walls, break down barriers in his heart, and finally, when God delivered him out of jail, he became the second highest in command in Egypt and delivered the people. But he would never have been able to, to have that maturity. He'd never been able to have that insight or that vision if he hadn't been through all that junk. And when his brothers came, the ones that put him in this mess to begin with, what did he say? He said, for what you meant for evil, God meant for good. That takes a man that's got his focus on God to be able to say that. All things work together for the good 
the next part of that scripture, for the good. Now, when we think about good, we think about winning the lottery. We think about uh, a brand new car. That's good stuff, right? Don't be lying to me. Don't be like, I, he said the lottery. I can't say that's good. Money. We, we, we think those things are good. But, but our definition of good and God's definition of good is totally separate, totally different. He's got, a, he's got another notch above us. We've got to understand God's looking for our good with eternity in the crosshairs, okay? He's looking through a scope with eternity at the crosshairs, not, your, not where you are right now. Not where you are right now. So some of us are probably walking through some pretty tough stuff right now. Some of us have been through some a bad. Some of us last week was horrible. I want to tell you, I've had a horrible two weeks. God really tried me the past two weeks. I went through some things. It was like, God, I, I, this, I, I, I said it. This isn't fair. What, what's going on? But, I had to, and, but let me tell you, when I backed up and I still hung on to God and I still said, God, I, I don't understand why this has happened. I don't understand what's going on. But, God, I know that you've got a plan. Well, Wednesday of this week, I realized what his plan was. And Wednesday of this week, I got there to rejoice and thanking God. Thank you for making me uncomfortable. Last two weeks. Thank you for allowing me to really just search myself because it showed me where my insecurities were in you, God. Can you thank him for that? Or are you at a place where you can thank God in the middle of the bad stuff? God uses so many things to mold us and shape us. He uses his righteousness to work out his good. He uses faithfulness to work out for our good. He uses his word to work out for our good. He uses each of us that are his child to work out his good. Each and every one of us. Even in difficulties, though, even in bad things, he works out for the good. I mean, I, I go back to countless things in the Bible. How about, how about Daniel? How about Daniel? Daniel got thrown into lion's den. That was an evil thing, right? That was bad. Who wants to get thrown into lion's den? Nobody. He got thrown into lion's den, but what... It was meant for evil, but God shut the mouth of the lion. And through that, Daniel came out of that pit with a lot more confidence in God than he had when he went in. How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? How about those three guys? They, they stood for righteousness of God. They stood up for God. And when they went through that, the, the, the king didn't like it, so he put them in this fiery furnace, so we call it. Threw them in, threw them in to burn alive. And he looked in there and realized that they wasn't burning, that there was, instead of three, there was four in there because Jesus was right in there with them. Whoo, that's good stuff. When you're right in the middle of your junk, Jesus is right there with you. And that's where he was. And when they came out, guess what? They were in the mess. They were in the middle of trials. They were in the middle of problems. But Jesus was right there with them. And when they came out, guess what? They didn't have a singed place on them. They didn't even smell like smoke. Jesus, my God, has a way of bringing you through your trials, but you didn't even know you even went through them. Come on, y'all didn't, didn't get that. Jesus has a way to bring you through your trials. When you get through there, you don't even know you went through them. Oh, y'all catching on. Y'all slow. Y'all catching on. I'm just saying, no matter what adversity hits us, guys, we got to remember, just like in James, James 1, 2 through 3 says, Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Same thing. Go back to Job. At the end of all that, he was closer to God. He was closer to God. I look at myself right now. I look back at when I first got saved. I was this ordinary Jeremy that was religious. The only testimony I had was I was religious Jeremy that really got saved. 
I was the person that played games and went to church. It was a good little boy. But then I got saved. And that's all I had, a testimony. I remember one day, uh, I hadn't told a lot of people this. I don't even think I've told my wife this. So <clears throat> this is the groundbreaker. <laughs> I, uh, I, was, I was praying one day, and I was like, God, I don't even have a testimony. I mean, I don't even have a testimony. God, I want a testimony. I remember crying out and saying it. Dumbest thing I ever prayed. God, I want a testimony. I want a testimony. Little did I know all the junk he had planned. He's like, I'm going to give you a testimony. I'm going to walk you through some stuff. But everything I've walked through, every, every trial that I've been through, everything that's happened in my life, everything that, everything that I think is bad, let me tell you, God turned it out for the good, and he's used me to be able to relate to people just walking through the same junk that i just come out of. So a lot of times we walk through things, not for our own good, but sometimes it's for the good of other people. He can use your mess to be a message to somebody else. Amen? And that's what we got to, we got to hold on to those things. It ain't about us all the time. We've got to take this self-centeredness off and put it in the closet and leave it because it ain't about you all the time. It's about God all the time. Amen? Amen. And then when we realize those things. And then the next part goes to, to those who love God, to those who love him. So, so the, really, let me back up. And we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love him. So the recipients of this promise is who? Those who love God. Those who really love God. He didn't say for those religious people to play games on Sunday morning, did he? Did it say that in your translation? He didn't say that in mine. It says, for those who love God. So, so what does it mean to love God? What does it mean? Love is a choice, okay? You're not a feeling. Love is a choice. You choose to love. You choose to obey. You choose to pursue even though sometimes it's bad. We've made love this mystical feeling with, with, with a, a little man in a diaper with a bow and arrow. And, and, and we've made it like it's a feeling. And if I don't feel good, that means I don't love. Let me tell you something. You're going to be walking through some stuff where you don't feel good about it. But if you love God, you're going to persevere because you know he's greater than what you're walking through. Love. What does it mean to love God? To follow him, to trust him. Why should we love God? Because of, we, should, we should love God out of the gratitude. Who's grateful for what Jesus has done for them? Amen. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I'm grateful for what Jesus has done for me. I'm so grateful that I want to follow him to the ends of the earth. I want to do whatever God wants me to do. I love him so much. Do you love God that much? Man, y'all killing me this morning. You got to, you got to be to a place to where you, you just love God out of, out of gratitude. It's like, to me, to love God is reckless abandonment of yourself, of what you want. It's reckless abandonment. It don't matter. I don't care how I feel, God. I, like, if you want me to, I'll do it because I love you because you paid the penalty of my sin. And now, because of what you've done for me, I can go to heaven. Amen? Man, that's something. That's somebody to love. That's somebody to love. To love God means you want to please God more than anything else. That you care more about what God thinks than what anybody else thinks. I ask you a question, do you love God? So those who love God, those who love God are the only ones that, that can rest in this promise. 
Those that are followers of Jesus Christ are the only ones that can rest in this promise. That whatever you're going through, it's going to be okay because God's working out for the good for him. So it tells me that if you're not saved, if you're not following Jesus, if you're just playing games, you have no hope. It's a hopeless thing. I don't know how people that have loved ones die that don't follow Jesus Christ, that don't have a love for God, can face it in the morning. They have that hopelessness of, 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 of what happened. What, where, where, am I going to see them again? What's going on? It would drive me insane. But we have the hope here that all things work together for the good for those who love God. The next part says, who have been called? Who have been called? What does it mean to be called? What does it mean to be called? If you're called, what? You're a child of the king, amen? All of us are called. But a lot of people don't, don't answer. A lot of people say, at any time, I don't want to listen to you, God. I don't want to do what you want me to do. God wants everybody to be in heaven. God wants everybody, but a lot of people don't answer the call. A lot of people say, I don't have time for that right now. I want to do my thing for a while, and then, then I'll do it. And a lot of times, it's too late. What does it mean to be called? It means to be a follower of Christ. We're all called to salvation. But not only just salvation, we're called to, to a process called sanctification, which we're growing more and more in the likeness of Christ. And then at the end of that, when we, then at the end of that we are glorified in his presence. Man, who's ready to be glorified in the presence of Jesus? But the process in between isn't always real fun. Being made more in the image of Christ, being made, being made humble, being made uh, obedient, being, going through suffering, those things aren't real easy and fun to go through. But if you're called, you're a child of the king, you have a new heart. You have a new heart. You're pursuing different things. You're not pursuing yourself and your own desires. You're pursuing what God wants. That's that new heart. I never understood that. I heard people preach that my whole life. Never understood that until it really happened to me. It's like, Jeremy, it's going to be a 180-degree change. You're going to be totally different. And I was like, I, I leave every Sunday feeling the same way. You know why? God was calling me, but I would never listen. I didn't want to surrender. I didn't want to give up my old, my lifestyle. I didn't want to quit all that. I wanted to be religious Jeremy on Sunday, but I wanted to be party Jeremy on Saturday night. I wanted, I wanted everybody to love me and like me, and, and, and I didn't want to cause no ways, and following Jesus was going to cause that, and I didn't do it. But when I finally, when God finally woke me up, made me realize that it wasn't about religion. It was about a relationship. It was about following him. Everything changed. Everything changed. I went that week before, a drunkard, and I came back the following week, and I was, I was, I was saved and sanctified. And I was following Jesus. And I didn't care about that party and lifestyle no more. I can't, I can't tell you anything different than the only thing that happened is God gave me a new heart. He changed my desires. That's how you know you've been called and you really are, that you have new, a new desire, a new direction, a change in your life. And the next thing is, is that there will be fruit showing your love for Christ. When you know you're called, there's fruit in your life. Matthew 12 says that a tree is known by its fruits. Make a tree good, and a tree is good. Make a tree bad, and a tree is bad. What is a fruit? A fruit is the outward appearance. So you can see by the fruit that you are living in if you are really, if you answered the call, if you're really a follower of Christ. 
Ask yourself that. Does, does, does the way I live, does the way I talk, does, does the way I live show that there's a new heart in me, that there's a new person in me? Is the fruit, is the fruit in my life, how I live, how about the fruit? Can, can people around me see that I'm a follower of Jesus? Because if they can't see you're a follower of Jesus, chances are you're not. To be called is so important. But the answer is even more important. So if you're called, if you, if you understand that you are called to be a follower of Christ, the next thing is, is according to his purpose. The last part, to be called according to his purpose. So God's got a broader purpose than just overall salvation, like I just said. It ain't about just you getting saved. It ain't about you just, you just surrendering your life and getting dunked in the pool over here. It's not about just that. That's just the beginning point. Amen? That's where the excitement starts. That's where everything, that's where the game begins to change. And you begin to lean more on Jesus than you are your own self. And you begin to pursue him. John 3, 16, everybody probably grew up memorizing this thing. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's his purpose, for everybody to have everlasting life, that whoever believes in him. Now, now we live in a place right now in the South where if you told everybody, they say, yeah, I believe in Jesus because our word believe doesn't mean the same as that word in the Bible, believe. Our word believe, we make it as, I, 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 I know who he is. I believe who he is. But that means, in the Bible, that word in the Greek and in the Hebrew means to follow, to obey, to believe. So those who trust and follow Jesus Christ, eternity is the end goal, guys. His purpose is to glorify himself. His purpose is for you and I to enjoy him and his gifts. And one thing that has always been on my mind is that this life on earth is temporary. Amen? Amen. To me, it's like boot camp for heaven. I mean, that's what it is for me. This is like boot camp for heaven. Let me tell you something. Nobody signs up to go to boot camp really because they just want to go to boot camp. And if they knew, a lot of people, if they knew what boot camp would entail, they wouldn't sign up and go. But boot camp is tough. Boot camp has a purpose in it. A boot camp is when you go in and, and, you go, and you're going through all that junk that the military makes you go through, they're trying to take you from one person and mold you into another person. They're trying to take you and mold you into a man of purpose, a, a, man, a man that or a woman that is strictly all about war. That you are a warrior. When you get through with boot camp, you are a warrior. That's the whole reason. They break down your logic. They break down your thinking. They change you into a warrior. That's what this life is. Because when you go into the military, it was, it's not their goal for you to stay the same. When you get through with boot camp, you should be a fierce warrior. When you get saved, it's not about just being saved. It's about being changed into the image of Jesus Christ. And it's going to be through struggle. It's going to be through hard times. It's going to be some days where you wonder, you wonder if it's even worth it. But you, as you struggle through it, when you get to the end, you, God has made you into the man or woman that he called you to be, that he's purposed you to be, so that when you get to heaven, you are glorified. Man, that's exciting to me. That God is not just a God that said, Jeremy, saved, we'll see you in heaven, son. No, he's spending every day making me into the man he wants me to be. He's spending every day making you into the man or woman he wants you to be. 
We need to look at it in that lens, not saying, I'm, God, this is awful. This, this situation I'm in is horrible. We need to say, God, use this situation to make me more into the man or woman you want me to be. And when we understand this promise that God works things out for the good, doesn't say that it's going to be easy. I know a lot of people that in the middle of boot camp, they said, I can't do it. I, I can't do it. I can't, I can't physically do it. I can't do it. And they quit because it was too hard. And you know what? They regretted it their whole life. Because they, because you, once you quit boot camp, you couldn't go back. And some of you may be struggling with some stuff right now. You just want to give up. You just want to quit. This is too tough. This is too hard. I want to tell you, in the name of Jesus, keep going. Keep pursuing. Keep digging in because God's got a bigger plans than what you're in right now. We can't just wrestle in where we are. And I don't know if this message this week has helped any of you guys, but I want to tell you something. I have preached it to myself all week long. God has been breaking down stuff in me because a lot of times we say we believe this, but a lot of times we don't live like we believe it. I believe now. I know that God is working everything out for my good. Even when I am frustrated and aggravated about what's going on right now, I know he's working it out. The quote from John Popper says this. It says, God's doing a million things a day in our lives. And we might see three of them. Think about that. A million things a day. And we might see three of them. And who are we to complain if one of those three that we see we don't like? That puts things in perspective. So this morning I want to ask you guys. Do you know that Jesus loves you? Do you know beyond a shadow of doubt that you are called? That you are a child of the King? Do you know those things? The purpose of church, the purpose of coming to this, to this service every week is not so that we can just come and say we did a good thing. It's so that we leave here different than the way we came in. Amen? And so many of us played a religious game every single Sunday. I went to church, check. I sang, check. I'll do it next week. And we don't talk about God. We don't say anything to him all week long. And we make ourselves think that we really are a child of the king because we went to church. Being a child of the king don't mean that you went to church. Being a child of the king means that you love God means that every ounce of your being is to please God. Everything in you wants to serve God. And if you don't have that, then you, you, I'm just telling you, if you don't have that new heart, today's the day of salvation. Don't put that off anymore. Don't quit. You've got to stop all that junk, all that procrastination, all that. Who knows what tomorrow's going to have? So the ball's in your court this morning. If you're here this morning, you're like, Jeremy, I want, to receive, I want to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to pursue him. I want to give him my life. I don't know that I'm his. If that's you this morning and you want to surrender this morning, just raise your hand. Say, that's me. 
Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. 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 Anybody else? Amen. 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 Oh, when you raise your hand, you say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to give him my life. I want to surrender. When you raise your hand, that's, we're, we're just, all we want to do is pray with you. We want to celebrate. That's exciting because people want to follow Christ. And if you're a child of the king, you should be shouting happy that that's happening. So we done broke the ice this morning. I know there's more than two that need to surrender their life to Christ. So if that's you this morning. If you say, that's, I, want, I want to. I want to give him my life. Just give one more opportunity. Raise your hand. Say, I want to surrender today. I want to be a child of the king. I want to know that I know. Praise God for the two. Let's, let's just praise God for that right quick. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So by not raising your hand, saying, hey, I'm, I'm sold out. I love God. I love Jesus. But the question is here is, now is the time for you to check your heart. When you see opposition, do you think it's an attack? Or do you see it as opportunity of advancement? Because if you see it as an attack all the time, then you need to change your focus. Maybe this morning you need to say, God, help me change my focus. God, help me change my focus on you. Take my focus off my problems and put my focus on you. Maybe you need to do that this morning. Maybe you need to come and surrender some stuff to God this morning. I'm saying, God, I've been struggling with these things, and God, I just need to give it to you. I need to quit playing games. I need to give it to you. Maybe some, maybe some bad stuff happened in your life. And you've been holding on to it, and you've been bitter, and you've been mad about it because you don't understand it. Maybe today's the day you need to come and surrender that bitterness to God and say, God, I trust you completely because you got my good in mind. How easy is it for us to complain about our problems instead of confessing and bringing them to God. That's how I challenge you guys. Once again, the goal is not to come to a service and just say that was a great service and leave because if that's what all we do, we've missed the whole point. The purpose is to come to a service and encounter a living God, to encounter what God is speaking through a man because this ain't me. I'm not smart enough to say this stuff. And respond. Don't sit in your pew. Don't sit there and say, I'm good. Because all of us are jacked up and messed up. And I'm as your pastor is telling you that I, this past two weeks, have struggled with this. And I know that if I have, I know you have. You have to be honest enough to say, me too. So that's you this morning. Maybe you need some clarity. Maybe you need God to redirect your life. Why don't you come and meet me at this altar? As soon as the song, as soon as the worship band starts playing, that's, the altar is open. The purpose of us to leave here different than the way we came, to, to lay our burdens on Jesus. So that's your challenge this morning. Father God, we just come to you right now thanking you, Lord, for those two people, Lord, that went from death to life.
God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you, God, for how you're just stirring in our hearts, Lord. Help us, Lord. All of us, uh, God, our limited minds can't even fathom how big you are and what you're doing. And God, help us, Lord. Rest in you, God. I pray that you would just uh, shine your holy light into our lives right now, Lord. As, we're, as I'm praying right now, God, I pray that you would begin to pierce the minds of everyone in this room, and they would begin to, you would begin to shine light in the dark areas in their life where they're, they're, not, they're not giving it to you, God. They would, you begin to shine light in their, in, in, in their mind, Lord, in, in, in their lives. You would start showing them, Father, where they're not trusting you. God, you would begin to convict them, God. Convict us of where we need to trust you more so that we can rest in your promise that you're molding us to eternity, God. And we can rest in that fact. God, just move. Make us different. Please don't let us stay the same. Because you're way too precious to neglect. And God, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.